And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare here. Hello and welcome back to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I am your host, Jim Aiello, and I am joined by the Athletics Colts beat writer, James Boyd. James, I kind of, it was funny, I think we started the week and we had some story, you and I were talking on Monday, talking some story ideas, and I think I actually jinxed you, man. I really pretty, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I said like, hey, maybe we can finally have a relaxing week and you can write some of the features, dig into some stuff that you want to do, and that lasted, you know, a good 24 hours, maybe? I don't even know, Probably not even that long. It was, uh, I mean, we're going to get into it. Uh, the Jonathan Taylor news obviously dominated headlines yesterday. You broke the news on that. He was going to have surgery, but how are you feeling? I mean, it, it, I mean, we're going to, we're going to kind of go give you guys a little sneak peek behind and sneak peek, but I guess a little behind the curtain as to how it unfolded, how James got what he got. Um, we're going to get into the Shaq Leonard stuff a little bit, and then we'll talk about this next week's game, but we're going to start with Jonathan Taylor because obviously that's the huge news. And, and I just want to kind of get your initial reactions as to how shocked were you when you heard and, and, and yeah, let's just start there. Yeah. So obviously our jobs are very unpredictable at times. Wake up Tuesday morning. You hear some rumblings about JT possibly having a hand injury. And then you start shooting off texts and, you know, making calls and trying to see what's what. And obviously, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network was the first to kind of break that JT was having something going on with his thumb. And so from there, it's just following up with people inside the building, outside the building, people who would obviously have information on it and trying to figure out what's the next step. Because at first... You're thinking, oh, my gosh, how did this happen? When did this happen? Me and you were going over the game film together. Like we were on the phone watching the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, go. Hey, James, can you go to this second? Hey, can you go to that quarter, Jim? And it was sort of chaotic. And then obviously, again, the news comes out from Ian Rappaport. And from there, everyone on the Colts beat, not just myself, is following suit. We're all trying to gather more information. And it's hard. You know, people don't want to talk about these types of things, especially when it comes to injuries to a superstar. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, this is a big, big deal. Obviously, JT's a huge name, but just because of the state of the season and the game he just had, he had his best game of the year, 15 carries, 91 yards, two touchdowns. First time he had two touchdowns in a game since he was a league rushing champ and a first team all pro in 2021. I got this fantastic quote from him after the game, you know, about, you know, chasing greatness and how hard it was to be that great in 2021, how this entire team's moving in the right direction. Um, and seriously, Jim, I gave him and others, like, whenever I finish an interview, I'll, like, give him a little light fist bump. And I didn't think anything of it. There was no brace on his hand or anything. And so when you kind of wake up to that news Tuesday before it's really out there and you're trying to vet it, you're like, you know, how serious, how real is this? How serious is this? We were naturally suspicious of it, right? Yeah, like we hear right. it, and we're like, "Well, so we're watching the tape." I mean, we're like, you know, we saw. I think you know, he's slapping hands with guys. He's getting pulled up by the thing. He's showing no ill effects on either of his hands. We're going, "Come on, this can't be real." And then, like you said, you give him a fist bump. He's, he's there's no tape. There's no ice. There's no nothing. And meanwhile, like he never really came out of the game. There was a stretch, I think, in that like second quarter where he was out for a while. It was a couple Zach Moss series, but it didn't seem too out of the ordinary. Um. Anyway, I, I don't want to, it just, it was one of those things where, yeah, like, like James is saying, got the info early in the morning, but really had to try to figure out what, if there's anything to it, right? If there's anything to it. You know, you hear a lot of things in this job and you can't just run with everything. The first time you hear it, that's how you get burned. That's how you get exposed and all of those things, but vetted it. And again, obviously you want to be first on a couple of those things, a lot of those things, but then when Rappaport reports it, I'm like, okay, there must be some legitimacy to this. But then afterwards, 
after, you know, again, making calls, sending texts and trying to poke around and not really getting anywhere. I just figured, hey, go blunt. You, you have the big guy's <laughs> number. You know, if anybody <laughs> can speak on the state of the team, it's Jim Irsay. And so I reached out to him and I'll admit I was surprised that he responded and just told me um, straight to the chase. Hey, JT is going to have surgery. It's going to be tomorrow. And he's going to have uh, possibly, hopefully in their eyes, a two to three week recovery. Now, I still don't know specifically what the thumb injury is. From what I understand, what Ursay told me, told the athletic, he was, um, JT, that is, he was having trouble gripping the football and keeping, I guess, a closed fist or, or or having his thumb really have the strength to grip and grasp and hold on to it, which makes it all the more impressive that he basically played from what I understand most of the game with that injury and still looked great, showed no ill effects of it. I know the radio broadcast from Larry Overton said that his uh, right hand was heavily taped, but, I mean, even after a game, Jim, I never really think to – follow up on an injury or keep an eye on an injury. Unless I see a guy like in a boot or like a soft cast after the game or a cast after the game or a sling. But I mean, when you go in the locker room for people who don't know who are listening as a reporter, sometimes we get in there and they're still changing and stuff. And so for example, last year when DeForest Buckner was playing through all these different injuries, he was peeling off bandages on his rib cage and, you know, a brace on his elbow. And so you don't think much of it because everyone is hurt, so to speak, but how hurt, you never really know sometimes. And that's a perfect case that kind of unfolded with JT where we just didn't know. I don't even know if he knew, to be honest. We haven't talked to him yet. But I'm like, maybe it was one of those things where he just woke up the next day and was like, wait a second, this is hurting. Because we talked to Shane Steichen today, and I'm sure you heard his comments, Jim, where he said, he was like, I don't know when he got hurt. I wasn't aware that he got hurt until obviously he reported it himself. And then we went from there. But unfortunate news for the Colts, obviously. But he's going to miss – some time. I know Jim Ursay said hopefully two to three weeks, but remember the word there, hopefully reality might not always line up the same. I know Shane Steichen in his true cautious fashion was like I don't have a timeline. I did ask point blank is IR being considered? And he said not right now. And so again, keywords right now. Now could it change in the future? Perhaps. And then as you know, Jim, with the team this season there have been players who have not been placed on IR but have still missed those four games that you would miss while on IR. And one of them is Julius Brents. Another one would be Braden Smith. So just because he says not, IR is not going to be considered right now doesn't mean that JT is going to come back in two weeks or three weeks from hand surgery, so um, thumb surgery. So we'll see. But um, I know you read my work. You saw what I did. And um, I guess you can kind of give the people some relief as far as who's going to perform the surgery Dr. Shen, some of those big names out there, I'm sure you can mention, uh, Jim, to give the people some uh, some relief, I guess. <laughs> what do you mean? As uh, as far as he's operated on Drew Brees. Oh, yeah. Operated yeah, on Drew, Steph oh, Curry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, operated yeah, yeah. on Mike Trout. So, you know, us little people, Jim, we don't get to go <laughs> to the top of the mountain for our hand injuries. But I was going to say, um, I've yeah. had surgery before i i the, the, the guy no i didn't know the guy by name before and know the list of guys he had done he had operated on before no that's that's 100 percent true i i think that you, you mentioned the Steichen thing and our digging into the tape i think the only thing you and i found was look like he winced a couple of times after a play box cameras kind of zoomed in on him and you know i thought i saw a phantom him shaking his hand out you were like i don't think it's anything which is totally fair i again i don't i don't know what it was it just it Whatever it was, the guy is tough because he played through it and didn't show much, and he was taking hits on his hands. Like it, he had he the game-winning run, basically, to seal it. I think Kevin Bowen asked, you know, is is ball security the issue with the thing? And and I think Steichen said, yeah, that's what it is. But he didn't he didn't cough up the ball at all during the game. Maybe it's adrenaline that covers it up. I think it's you know that he's playing kind of through it. But it is it is. I just wanted to point out one. It's impressive that he did. And the other thing is, I think you said he maybe didn't know. I think he probably knew there was some pain, but. There was, I don't know how, you know, maybe Steichen just misspoke or, or didn't have the right words or whatever, but he had, he said Monday night uh, when they found out about Jonathan Taylor's injury. So it was a full, not, you know, more than 24 hours after it was, you know, that they actually figured out something was up, it sounds like, because he said Monday night. So I don't know if Jonathan Taylor didn't realize after the, like when he's, you know, he, he's talking to you and, and 
you know, the fist pound or whatever. He, he might he might not even known anything was serious. My again, I jam my thumb or whatever, you know. Nothing. Yeah, nothing and there. I got people telling me, "Did you break his thumb? Did you hurt him?" No, I did not hurt. Well, you hurt Anthony Richardson, man. So yeah, I know like, yeah. that's what everyone says about you know his shoulder <laughs> and when I was playing basketball with him. But no, I was not on a basketball court with JT this time. But I will say, it just speaks to his toughness, uh, really. Yeah, but for sure. in a broader conversation, Jim, um, curious to hear your thoughts on this. This is what he fought for, right? This is this is why JT fought for the new deal and the contract. Now I get it. This isn't, from my understanding, as big or as major of his in, of an injury as it was with the ankle last season that kind of just basically derailed his twenty twenty two season. However, Jim, if you're in his shoes, you have to feel pretty good about. Hey, at least I made sure I got paid before this happened because I I would imagine had he not had a deal yet, this will be another factor that will be dinged against him. Now, I know we're talking about what ifs and hypotheticals, but I have to imagine he feels like, okay, this is why I did this. Listen, okay, so if say he misses three games, right? Okay, and he's already missed four, so that's seven, which means he's going to play in maybe 10 games this year. He played in 11 last year. So we're talking double-digit games missed uh, over the course of two seasons. I don't think the Colts pay him. I don't think they have. I think they have reason not to. They would say, "Listen, man, it's been two years in a row where you haven't been able to play the whole season." Now we can talk all you want about conspiracy theories about whether or not the ankle injury would have been a thing if he had been paid already. But I think it was. I think he was legitimately hurt. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I think he's got to be pretty pleased that he's gotten paid. I think he's got to be pretty pleased. And to get this is a conspiracy theory that you and I have talked about on this on this podcast is that. I think if Anthony Richardson hadn't looked so good in the beginning of the year, I think the Colts hadn't looked so promising at the beginning of the year, and all of a sudden they said, ooh, maybe playoffs playoffs could be on the horizon. And they're not wrong, because look at the team now. I don't know if they would have paid him. I, I think if they had started off the season 0-3, that he might not have gotten paid. But everything seemed to kind of break in the right way for Jonathan Taylor, and he's getting paid. Now, I don't want to be the guy, you know, again, I, I'm much more of a pay running backs, respect running backs guy. But Jonathan Taylor has become, at this point, a little bit of like the reason maybe you don't because they get dinged up a lot. Now, a lot of guys get dinged up, but it's just interesting. We'll see how he bounces back. We'll see how many games he misses. Um, but if that, and well, I mean, the other point, and you made this when uh, when Jonathan Taylor first got back, he said, you know, you got you to pay guys like Zach Moss. It's like, well, if Zach Moss can come in and do 90, 95% of the job you were doing, it's maybe why you don't pay running backs. Yeah, I know. So it's kind of this conundrum they've found themselves in. And it is so many weird factors. And it was sort of the perfect storm for JT to get paid. And I do think, and I know this might make some listeners upset, if he doesn't request a trade, I don't know if an extension ever gets done. Like, he put a lot of pressure on this franchise to make it uncomfortable until it wasn't. Now, obviously, he came back, he was smiling, all those things, and People can have their opinions about what we reported and how we reported it and how it was all portrayed. But the bottom line was, I know this to be true for a fact, he didn't want to be here. At one point in the offseason, he did not want to be here. He wanted to be here now. And you know what helps with that? $42 million and $26.5 million guaranteed. And so all that to say, getting back to the more pressing issue, the thumb, um, you turn to Zach Moss, who is still ranked 10th in the NFL in rushing yards with, I believe, um, close to 700 yards. He's like 672, something like that. Um, And the crazy part for Zach Moss is he missed a game to start the year with a broken forearm. And so he's been um, really steady since coming back from his injury, you know, early in camp. And so I believe it was the first day of padded practice he broke his arm. And then he came back, you know, the second week of the season and has not looked back, has not tapered off. And – there's a real shot that he could close in on a thousand yards. We talked to him about it today, but he was just like, Hey, if I do, it's because of the team's success. And he's been a part of, you know, playoff appearances with the bills. And he wants that feeling again with the Colts and they have a legitimate chance. I guess the only silver lining, if you're looking for one with the JT injury is that despite him being out another blow to this team that continues to just find ways, regardless of what happens is that their schedule is still favorable in a sense. And I think that's what everyone feels from, you know, him to the entire locker room, to Shane Steichen, to Chris Bell, to obviously the owner, Jim Ursay, who um, himself has had um, an interesting week for sure. So um, never a dull moment on this beat, I must say. Like, I don't think I've had a normal month since I joined the Colts beat. 
and I don't expect one at this point. I just I just expect the unexpected and um again hopefully you all kind of see how it goes down behind the scenes um you hear stuff you don't just run with it you got to vet it you got to reach out you got to be annoying sometimes and then sometimes you got to straight to the horse's mouth um which is none other than Jim Irsay who has never been shy about saying anything and the cool thing about talking to him whenever I do get a chance to talk to him um is that he's always on the record for the most part like you know obviously there's explicit things where um, sometimes you, you have to keep some things in house or, um, and that's with every coach player GM at every level, every sport in the world, basically, um, you can't put everything on the record, but, um, he's very much, uh, someone who doesn't mind having his name attached to stuff. And again, who's going to be in the know more than JT himself about his thumb, the guy who pays his contract and signs his checks. So, um, yeah, a little bit shocked to hear from him, um, especially after, writing what I wrote last week. And... Yeah, I was going to say, let me ask the question because this is the question I think everybody listening is is, is asking. Were you surprised to hear from Jim Irsay after after you... Uh, well, again, I'm very biased in this situation, but I think you you took him to task in the way that he needed to be t- t- taken to task, which, I, which, by the way, I will say is respectfully. Um, I think you pointed out a lot of the good he's done in the community, a lot of the good he was doing with his messaging, and then you pointed out where he misspoke and misstepped and, and things that he needs to understand a little bit better. But... I am hoping, and you can tell me your interpretation because you talked to him, but my hope is that he read what you wrote, respected your opinion, and is going to treat you as such. But I don't know. And, and maybe he learned something from it. I don't know. I really don't know, but I, I am curious what you think about that. Yeah, to be honest, we didn't talk about that. Um, I did offer it up. I said, hey, if you, you know, I'm reaching out on behalf of JT to see what's going on with him. However, I do know I'm not going to just ignore the fact that I did scold you a bit seven days ago and he didn't touch it i guess he was just like okay well maybe he respected what i wrote but he did not bring it up he just focused on jt um gave me the information that i needed and i put it out there and so all of that to say i think it is a good lesson for maybe the young journalists who might be listening or people who don't really know how it goes is that our job is to, you know, write fun stories, cover the team, you know, give you the play-by-play, how things kind of went down behind the scenes. Like, you know, how did Zaire Franklin end up in the backfield on a, you know, fourth down play that was a huge play in the game? All those things. But we still have to hold people accountable. And that's all people. And I felt like in that moment after Jim Irsay said, you know, he was prejudiced against because he's a rich white billionaire, I felt like, okay, maybe this is a blind spot that he has that he otherwise probably wouldn't be called out on because it is hard to have a different view of things when you're in that position, when you've been, when you've grown up in a certain environment, that goes for all people. And so feeling like I had a bit more um, of an experience on the other side of policing, race, prejudice, all those things, I took a stab at it. And I felt like the best way to do it, which you guided me through, we had others look at it and, you know, everyone was weighing in the best way to go about it, I felt like was to not make it, you know, all the way good in a sense, like, let's just dismiss all the stuff he said, who cares? It is not a big deal to the other end of the spectrum to like, Oh my gosh, she's a horrible human being, you know, terrible, terrible person. There is nuance there. And I think personally, I, this is my own personal belief. Overall, Jim Mercy is a good person, but that doesn't mean you can be absolved of the things you say that might be, a bit um, naive or ignorant or gaslighting is the word that I use in the story because of the experiences I've had with the police and and things like that. So um, I know people were opinionated about it, which is always good, I guess. But I do think there is a certain level of respect you earn in this field when you um, respectfully and sternly call people out. And again, you don't cross that line where it's like, I wrote something where it was like, everything about this guy's all bad. It was like, no, the, the actual, the general theme of it was you talked about your incredible triumphs with, you know, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and people seeing a billionaire talk about those things, you know, billionaires are supposed to have all the money in the world and all, no problems and a perfect life. You talked about how it's not like that. And I think that is a good thing. People can grow from that, but you also, again, cannot be, uh, exempt from criticism when you make um, comments about race and police and prejudice that 
quite frankly, uh, probably fall on a lot of deaf ears because that is not ex the experience for the majority of the world. And so um, not to go too far into it. I wrote the entire thing. Um, I write so people can read it. So please go read it if you haven't. And I think, again, it was a healthy level of respect always there, always will be. And um, again, when we when I spoke to him, it was not this sense of, um, okay, I'll admit like there was a bit of nervousness because you're like, hey, am I did I cost myself the opportunity to have this relationship continue to grow? But at the same time, I was like, you know what? Maybe you'll get more. And this has always been my, the case in my career. When you're respectfully stern, it usually gets you a little bit further along as far as um, the respect you earn among owners, players, coaches, whoever the, it, it may be. So, um, yeah, it was a interesting piece. Did not expect to be writing that right before Thanksgiving and not let alone have it come out on Thanksgiving. However, all of that said, um, you know, it's been a wild week here in Colts land. Um, I thought about it. I'm like, wow, one week I'm writing about how the owner has to take a better look at the world. The other week I'm writing about how the owner just told me, you know, the star players out. So, it's it's less than a week, man. It was like it was like five. No, I mean, I I just wanted to add. I I do. I'm glad you took the the approach that you did, and and I was like, you know, thrilled to work with you on it. Um, but I just wanted to say, I thought, yeah, I thought I thought the message you had was was perfect. I thought the note that you hit was perfect, and that it's disappointing. I think that's the word we used in the headline. We decided on it was because the message that he he had got drowned out, got diluted by the fact that he said this thing, and now all the good he was trying to do, which is good. Um, was getting ignored because of the the stupid thing that he had said. So, and that's frustrating. That's frustrating for everybody. It's frustrating for the people that that he's trying to do good for. It's frustrating for him, I'm sure, because he wants to do the right thing. He's trying to be a good person, and and I think he's most of the time he is trying to be a good person and doing the right thing. But he also needs to be, um, you know, more understanding, like you said, less naive in these in these situations. And and I'm glad that you were able to strike strike that balance. We talked a lot before you wrote it. I I. I I think we we said like take a swing. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it's okay. We'll just we'll just see how it looks. And I think when you sat down with it, um, you did great. We got a lot of help from some editors here at the at the Athletic to try to make sure it sounded the way we wanted it to sound, and and was it was all good. So anyway, I I'll say this in this week this week in general, but after that story in particular, I'm very proud to be your editor and proud to work with you. So I I appreciate you doing that. Last thing I'll say is there is always some inherent risk involved when you bring up race as a black reporter um and i know how that looks but at the same time i do think that this is important and why diversity and inclusion and having people from different backgrounds in newsrooms or in news organizations whether it's sports you know life entertainment is important because then you're able to maybe again get more views or viewpoints in the same room and collaborate and, and kind of have those things happen. And so, um, you know, is there a bit of risk involved with it? Yes. But at the same time, I always think, Hey, I was black before I was a journalist and I'm going to be black after I'm done being a journalist. And so you got to respectfully and pick your spots. Obviously I'm not some, you know, uh, activist. I am not, you know, Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or any of these people, um, respect them a lot, obviously what they did, but um, when there is an opportunity to use your platform to uh, speak on some things that maybe get glossed over, uh, I don't really hesitate as much as I used to when I was younger, which feels crazy to say because I'm, I'm 27. But uh, when I was, you know, first starting out, you're hesitant. Okay, well, this if I say this, will that hurt my career? No, I felt like you all supported me at the athletic. Um, you know, you wrote something that was real, respectful, and fair. And then um, I do think that on the other side of that, it lets people know that you're there. You're going to be real. You're going to be stern. And again, you fast forward a week and that results in getting the biggest news on the beat as far as JT. So, um, you know, to me, it's water under the bridge. You say what you got to say, you move on. And then um, we hone in on what has already become, Jim, a very unique <laughs> second half of the season for the Colts because, I just don't know how this team keeps taking body blows and just keeps getting back up off the mat and, and winning around. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We've gone this entire podcast so far and we haven't mentioned the name of a franchise player who the team just cut last week because that's what's going on in Coltsland right now. We haven't even talked about Shaq Leonard and... I think that does go well with what you mentioned, though, with the body blows. Like, I think if you were to tell me before the season that this team was going to be six and five, fighting for a playoff spot, I, I I would have probably not believed you. But I said, okay, if that's true, that means they got the maniac back. That was a big part of it. Was that part of him? He came back and he was kind of himself again, forcing turnovers, changing the luck that the Colts needed to to win some of these games. And he's not, and he's not there. And we could talk about Shaq if you want, but mostly. I think what you were alluding to is that this team is just finding constant ways to overcome losing. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're going to play more games without Jonathan Taylor. They're going to play more games without Shaq Leonard. I mean, these are these were the faces. These are two. Those are two of the biggest faces of the of the, of the team going into the year. Obviously, Anthony Richardson, maybe DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore. I mean, we're, we're getting to those. That's it, Quentin Nelson. But like, I don't know. Those are arguably two of the three biggest names, and they haven't had Taylor for more than I think it was seven games. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Then again, I will say that it's not often when you lose your star running back and you get to plug in the guy who's 10th in the league in rushing uh, behind him. But Zach Moss is still like, he's he's averaging more yards per carry than Saquon Barkley right now. He's ahead of Tony Pollard, guys who are franchise tagged and, and considered some of the best backs in the league. So they have guys. So I think you and I and the world has criticized a little bit the Ballard roster, the Chris Ballard oh, yeah, roster absolutely. In, in ways. And I think we've given a lot of credit to Shane Sykin and the coaching staff for getting the most out of a maybe less than talented roster, but also maybe we need to throw some accolades, throw some flowers at Chris Ballard for they had some answers, right? Like they lost some guys and they had some answers. I guess one of the weirdest compliments he should get, I say weird because the situation itself is unbelievable. Shaq gets waived. They elevate Ronnie Harrison Jr., who hadn't been active, I believe, all season. The first game he's in there with Shaq in the press box at the game as they now former Colt, Ronnie Harrison records interception in like the first quarter of the game. That sets up a score for the Colts. So that's what I mean when I say they just keep finding ways. Guys just keep stepping up. And quietly, some of their, you know, I guess bigger known players are having, you know, arguably the best year of their careers. I know DeForest Buckner has been an all-pro, but he's having an all-pro caliber year this year for sure. It's one of the best of his career easily. You look at Kenny Moore, bounce back season, he's balling out. Julian Blackman is probably playing the best football of his career. And you think of some of the lower-level guys on the team who've stepped up in their respective roles. Tyquan Lewis, 
Scott had two patella tendons, you know, uh, ruptured in back-to-back seasons, and he's playing really well this season. Dio Odangbo, who was coming in from college with an Achilles injury, he's playing well. So um, I can go down the list. Jalen Jones saw some crazy stats today where he's like the top rookie cornerback when it comes to, uh, I believe, like coverage or something. It was some next-gen stat where they talked about how good he was in coverage and how special he is. And so all of those factors – have helped this team continue to survive and advance despite, like you said, not having JT, not having Shaq, not having Anthony Richardson. Because if you told me this team was six and five at the beginning of the year, I would have, I would have told you, Oh, Anthony Richardson has 15 touchdowns, 10 of them passes, five rushing touchdowns and they're, you know, or it's, it's, he has eight pass touchdowns, seven rushing touchdowns and they're rolling right now. That's what I would think. I would not think that Gardner Minshew is back there. Zach Moss is back there. Um, Juju Brents has been out for a month. You know, they haven't had their starting offensive line for more than one complete game this entire season. They've only had one complete game with their starting offensive line, which was the season opener. And so, again, guys like Wesley French, who stepped in at center, can get overlooked because the team is having so much success. But he deserves a ton of credit. I mean, Bernard Ryman, the steps he's taken at left tackle. So I feel like I'm like going on and on, but this no, is I mean, testament. that's what it is though. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, every week, you know, we go over story ideas, Jim, and we were slacking each other and sending Slack messages during the game. Hey, what are you thinking after the game themes, all those things. And then something jumps out almost every game this season where it's like, okay, that was pretty easy. They had the Matt Gay game in Baltimore. They had the Kenny Moore game in Carolina. They had the Ronnie Harrison moments last week and then you obviously have jt looking like a superstar and he goes down but then you also had zach moss go off when jt made a season debut zach moss had 165 yards in week five which was ironically when jt was supposed to be the star running back in the in, in the return the narrative was supposed to be about him it was about how zach moss was the man so um i highly encourage you all to read the story i did on zach moss his background how he even got to this point and today, talking to him, Jim, it was pretty funny because, you know, we're all asking him, oh, you know, what's the mindset and how do you step in? And he's like, yeah, well, did it before. You got to do it again. Yeah, and, I was going to say it's an old hat now. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> arrogant. It was confident. And um, I think Zaire Franklin said it best. And I have a story on this coming out later this week about just the things that they've overcome this season and how they still managed to be in the playoff picture. But Zaire was just saying, hey, you know, everything we could have gone through, we've gone through. And we've come out on the other side better because of it. I mean, he even missed the game this year, which he had never missed a game in his career. And so um, they just find a way. And I think Tyquan Lewis said it um, earlier this week when he was on the Zoom call, asked about Shane Steich, and he was like, we believe this is a guy who can take us to, quote, the promised land. And this is somebody you want to play for. And those are really big words to say from a guy like Tyquan, who's not usually that, you know, eloquent or he doesn't say a lot of words he's very much like hard hat lunch pail just do my job but this team really really appreciates Shane Steichen they like his style his edge I know it can be somewhat annoying and frustrating when he gets up there on the podium he says nothing but he's not like that in the locker room at all and and when you talk to players about him on and off the record they're like no this guy's legit he's got an edge he's got a fire and he and the word you always hear is accountable and I know that's, you know, probably a cliche buzzword for all of the coaches, but it seems like he is really someone who just cannot stand anything other than excellence. Like he would not settle for it. Um, I know I was talking to Dio about him and Dio's like, yeah, I made a joke to him one time in practice. And he didn't laugh. And I was like, oh, I should probably like, you know, not try that again. And so those types of things, he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's engaging, he'll laugh, but he's like, when it's time to lock in, He's not really one to, one, make excuses, and two, settle for anything less than giving them a, the best chance to win. I think that's a testament to him. And even though they had a three-game losing streak this year, on a three-game winning streak right now, the only game they haven't been in was the loss to the Jaguars, where I believe they lost like by 17. That's the only game where they got blown out. Every other game they've been in in the fourth quarter, which gives me a ton of anxiety because then I can't figure out how to write <laughs> my, my quick little notes for our rapid reaction because I'm like, I got two different versions going of if they win or they lose. So um, fortunately, I guess for the Colts, the last few weeks they've been wins. So I had a much more positive tone. But um, yeah, man, they're in the seventh seed right now. You know, last spot in the AFC. And currently if the playoffs ended 
or started today, they'd be going to Kansas City for a matchup with the Chiefs. So we'll see. Obviously, a lot of games to be played, but um, they have to feel good, even despite the JT injury, even despite cutting Shaq of where this team is and how confident they feel um, and what they can do going forward. I just, it's it's crazy to me. Not only are they in the seventh seed in the playoffs without all the, I mean, again, I just, it's just wild. You're looking at no Shaq and, and you know, first and second round picks are, haven't been huge contributors this year um, just for, because of injury reasons. And they caught one of the, you know, Darius Rush. And it's just, I mean, it's just wild looking through that stuff. But anyway, looking at it and now, and I'm, and I'm looking at, they're in the seventh seed, and not only are they in the seventh seed, but they're in control of their destiny. They have a better conference record than than some of the other teams competing for um, for that last spot in the wild card. They have tiebreakers over Houston. They beat Houston. Like they they're not only just like kind of in it right now. They're in control of that spot right now. Meanwhile, the team ahead of them, one game ahead of them, is Cleveland. They don't have a quarterback right now. They they look like they're falling apart a little bit. Like I I don't know. It's it doesn't look like a team that's just going to disappear toward the end here. I really think they're going to be riding this out toward the end of the season. And we've talked about this ad nauseum, I think in these podcasts, but schedule is, is so gettable. Like there's no reason that they can't win every one of these games. Not to say they will win out, but they can be in and win every one of these games coming up. They just don't face anybody that, that is that, that should be that scary. We talked about it, but I do want to get your quick thoughts on this the player they're going to see or they're going to face this upcoming Sunday in Nashville is none other than Will Levis, who was the fourth quarterback taken in the draft. He was not taken in the first round, early in the second round. He said that the Colts had, he felt like he, the Colts had interest in him, thought it could be a chance of him going there. Obviously they went with Anthony Richardson, who I think everyone is pretty happy with despite the injuries. But this is something that Jim Ursay kind of confirmed. Jim, so um, I don't know if you remember what he said after the draft about, hey, if AR wasn't there, we're probably going to take Will Levis. But um, what do you think of like the alternate universe of maybe possibly having that guy? Not saying anything bad about Will Levis. I honestly haven't watched a ton of him since he took over the starting role. But um, yeah, if this was Spider-Man or something like that, the multiverse, um, how would you be reacting to that? It'd be it's bullet dodged is how I feel when you say that they didn't, they didn't take Will Levis. I I I I you know I haven't watched every game, broken down all of his tape. I, my 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 thought when I watch him is that the Titans don't have their guy of the future yet. They just not he's not on the roster. Not Malik Willis, not Ryan Tannehill, it's not Will Levis. Who does by the way probably have the best nickname in the NFL right now with Billy Jeans, um, which I just love um, as as, as that. So I, I give him nice. that, and also I think he. Uh, my brother was telling me the other day he came out and he used the wrong word and he felt bad. He apologized to all his English oh, teachers. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh. So I'm not rooting against the guy. I like him. He's got a good personality. I know he, you know, he eats the bananas with the peel on or whatever. Like there's some weirdness there with this guy. And I don't have, you know, if he succeeds, he's a good, good for the NFL and all that stuff. That said, I was an Anthony Richardson person going into the draft. Uh, I was Anthony Richardson person, Anthony Richardson person going out of the draft. Um, I think the Colts got their guy. I think this dude has the chance to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. If if and I I I felt that way based on talent, but as we're watching what Shane Steichen is doing currently with the Colts, it makes me feel even better about where you know the hands that Anthony Richardson is in. Um, and you know you've you've talked to him, you know him better than than most, honestly. Um, he just seems to be the guy, kind of guy with the with a with the right kind of head on his shoulders. The guy who puts things in perspective and 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 will bounce back from this. And I, you said you ran into him or at least saw him in the locker room today. Yeah, I saw him in the locker room today when I was waiting for Zaire because I'm just looking around and they have a big scale in the middle of the uh, locker room where obviously it has to be big for all these big people to get on it to check their weight every day basically. And I turned around, did a double take, and I'm like, wait a sec, I know that figure because he looks like Superman, and it was Anthony Richardson. Now, like <laughs> I said, didn't get a chance to say anything to him, um, but it was good to see him because I believe that was my first time seeing him. I know he was at the game this past um, Sunday in the big Colts hat. I don't know if you saw, Jim, the big Colts hat, which was uh, pretty funny. He also wore it backwards, which I was like, I've never seen that before. So maybe he's innovative. Either way, going for um, something. But, yeah, I saw him today. I'm hoping to catch up with him here soon. Hopefully we get a chance to just talk to him about recovery, his mentality when he went down versus where it is now, kind of having a plan for what's next. But all of that to say, man, um, you just look at him and you think if he can stay healthy, what could this team look like? 
Because that's the conversation I've had a lot with readers, followers, even media members, fans. They're all like, this team is six and five. What could they be with him? You know, because to me, no disrespect to Gardner Minshew, it's similar to what we saw with Josh Dobbs when these career backups get in there. They start off hot sometimes, and then they taper off after a team gets to prepare for them and their tendencies, what they do well, what they don't do well, all those things. But it feels like the team is winning kind of in spite of Gardner Minshew right now, not because of him. Now, um, he has to keep the turnovers down. Whenever they win the turnover battle this season, they're undefeated, which is a good sign. But Anthony is not someone you win in spite of. He's probably someone you can win because of. And honestly, um, a perfect example of that was week two, Houston. He scored two touchdowns in what felt like two seconds. And then, you know, uh, Gardner Minshew comes in there after Anthony got the concussion and won the game. It looks great for Gardner Minshew, but it's like, wait a second. The guy who was a guy hurt scored two touchdowns and, and before he left the game. So, um, yeah, I wonder about his future. Obviously, as just a fan of the game, you always want to see the best players out there. He's one of, at least physically, one of the most talented people in the NFL. And you just wonder, okay, if and when he can come back and be available. Um, the assumption is that he will be ready for next season, start of next season. Um, we'll see about training camp and all that and stuff like that. But he seems to be in pretty good spirits. And um, it was funny seeing him on a, one of the post-game, uh, like Colts, uh, they do like the post game walk offs. He was in there throwing up a W with the big hat and, and the sling. And so uh, he seems to be enjoying himself. And again, um, the beauty of the NFL, which is what I enjoy, even though basketball is my favorite sport, people know that. Um, what I love about covering the NFL as opposed to the NBA is that there's just so much parody, in my opinion. I get it. The best teams are always there, sort of at the end, like the Eagles this year, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. But Week to week, there's nothing like it. Um, I mean, you just never know how things are going to go in an NFL game, which makes this, you know, last six games for the Colts and their fans probably pretty exciting, but also kind of scary because on paper, you're like, yeah, these are all winnable, but they're all losable too. And so that that's the other thing where it's like it could go either way if you don't handle your business. And they did against Tampa Bay. And I think that they have a good chance to, I mean, to me, if you get a split between Tennessee and Cincinnati, you're in good shape coming back home against Pittsburgh. And, and so they end the season with two home games. Um, the, the season finale will be against Houston who just lost one of their starting offensive linemen today, um, perhaps the rest of the season. So again, all these factors um, kind of make for a very exciting last push of this season, which everyone feels um that they can go out there and actually do i know that first you hear about that and you kind of roll your eyes and you know july and whatever eh, playoffs but now i mean they got me checking the standings and tiebreakers every week because it matters which i did not expect this to matter at all jim it, it is so fascinating to me but let me ask you this we've been on this a couple weeks coach of the year if they manage to get to the playoffs with JT missing, let's just call it three games. How much credit does Shane Steichen deserve? I mean, like everyone's talking about Kevin O'Connell, but like the Josh Dobbs thing, as we talked about, backup quarterbacks, man, it just they come back to earth a little bit. Like it, everybody got excited about Minshew coming back to earth a little bit. Dobbs coming back to earth a little bit. So it's it's this is what happens. So then you look at whoever, who else is in that conversation? Maybe it's Mike McDaniel. Maybe he deserves it with the dolphins and yeah. that's fine. Or Nick they Sirianni, the they're winning a lot, obviously a hundred percent. And they're winning a lot despite he, you know, the guy is bleeding assistant coaches over the last couple of years and you're still finding ways to win. So give him credit. Uh, and then, but the other one everybody was talking about was D'Amico Ryan's. And I think everybody got all excited about CJ Stroud and I get all that, but look at the standings. Look who's ahead of who it's <laughs> six. Of, you know, the Colts are six and five, the Texans are six and five, but the Colts have the tiebreaker right now. Now that matchup in week 18 could decide a lot of things. Playoffs, coach of the year, all that stuff. But I just think there, I did. I heard it on another podcast outside of, outside of the athletic in the NFL world. People were like, yeah, maybe Shane Steichen, a little something there. It's, it's starting to build a little bit. I'd like to think that uh, we were the first people to talk about it, starting that fire a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, when the fire is started, Jim, it's when I get a Slack message asking if I can join Zach Kiefer's, you know, show on the athletic football show. And I'm like, oh, man, things must be happening here in Indianapolis for little old me to be reconnected with Big <laughs> Zach. 
Um, just joking. That's my buddy, obviously. But I'm not joking in a sense of when they reach out, and this is obviously a much bigger platform for that podcast. Um, I know things are kind of brewing, either really bad or really good. And right now it's really good for the Colts, even in spite of JT's injury. And so um, I will keep you updated on the injury. Right now, for all of those listening, I know I keep getting asked, what is the specific injury? I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, like I said, you, when you hear things, you can't just run with everything you hear. You have to try to vet it, verify it. But at least we know he's having surgery today by Dr. Shin, not Dr. Thumb, as everyone was kind of telling me in my mentions. Dr. <laughs> Shin. That's um, pretty good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I must say, Twitter <laughs> it's was, easy, uh, but it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or X, as they call it. They were having a little fun with it. But again, he's in great hands. Uh, no pun intended, with one of the best hand surgeons in the world, quite frankly, who's worked on a ton of different athletes. I was even looking. I was in a deep dive last night, Jim, watching the Warriors and uh, the Kings, looking up Stephen Shin and Chris Paul, because I knew he was working with Chris Paul um, a lot. And he's done four procedures on Chris Paul's hand. And this is a basketball you know, player, a point guard who very much needs his thumbs and fingers to work well. And so all that to say, Chris Paul is future Hall of Famer. Um, he's worked on Steph Curry, worked on Mike Trout. All these guys are, you know, Hall of Fame caliber people. Drew Brees is another one where, again, if you're going to have surgery, which is unfortunate, you want to get it done by the best in the business. And that's what his reputation is. And um, we'll wait to see what the recovery process is like when JT comes back from L.A. and all of those things. But um, I will just preface this by saying when you hear a timeline like that from Jim say, hopefully two to three weeks. Remember the hopefully part, because I think some fans and I've done it myself as a fan of different players in the NBA and other sports where it's like, all right, two weeks it is. No, nah, yeah, pencil nah, it nah, in. Nah, like, here exactly. we go. Yeah. No, yeah. like that's best case scenario. And in this sport, in this world, um, I would just say don't always bank on the best case scenario. Give yourself a little bit more realistic expectations. But the good news is today, when I did ask Shane Steichen about JT, just to reiterate it, in case you all didn't follow it on Twitter or whatever, he said that right now they're not considering IR, which would automatically knock JT out for a month. So if that's any inclination, that could potentially mean he's coming back before then, but we will see. Obviously, we'll keep asking about it the more information we get about it. But for now, and my understanding is that for at least the next two weeks, it'll be Zach Moss in the backfield for the Colts toting the rock. And then you got Trey Sermon, who uh excited for his opportunity. Talked to him today, Jim, and he was just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. He's a third-round pick, Um, never really found his way in the NFL. This could be one of his bigger opportunities. And this is someone who ran for over 300 yards in the Big Ten Championship here in Indianapolis, you know, not too long ago. So um, he's excited and they were saying he's ready. And again, I expect Zach Moss to shoulder a lot of the workload. But Trey Sermon is someone to keep an eye on because, as they always say, you never know who's watching and who might need, you know, your services. And so um, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited just to see uh, how it all unfolds. And uh, I guess to end it, on a more positive note, besides injuries, is that Grover Stewart only has one more week. Last week yeah, about Grover Stewart. Be big. We didn't even mention that with all the stuff going against them. Exactly. Yeah, right. And you get Big Grove back. I saw him at Shaq's turkey giveaway, and uh, Shaq was getting on him, Jim, and telling him they were passing out the turkeys, and Grover was like staring down at the turkeys. And Shaq was like, Hey, man, do you ever not look at the food? And uh, <laughs> Grover, Grover just laughed, and um, they had a good time. And it's been, again, a whirlwind week on the beat, but wouldn't have it any other way. And I guess the best part about it is, you do um, start to feel like you built relationships, you built connections when you have moments like this because you're able to kind of feel around more than I, I would say last year at this time where I was still getting my feet wet. And now it's like, okay, I feel comfortable. Um, obviously trying to get better every day, but um, it was cool to, to just even little things, you know, uh, being out at Shaq's thing where to me, Jim, he was just relieved. Um, and, and talking to him, he was asking about what camera I have. And I was like, ah, I've never met nice Shaq in my life. Who is this? Um, you get reminded of the humanity of the game, right? You yeah. Get, you're reminded of how tough it is. And we could be getting some news on him soon too. I know um, our Diana Rossini has been all over it. He's had visits with the Cowboys and Eagles so far, which I mean, if he joins, <laughs> if he joins the Eagles, that would be so fitting from a coaching standpoint because Shaq is a yeller. And Nick Sirian is a yeller, and I think both of them can use their voices um, together. And uh, we'll see how that goes, but always something to keep an eye on here in Colts land.
Yeah, I was going to say, there'll be some, like, if he goes to Philly, you got the Sirianni Shaq thing for Colts fans to cheer for. If he goes to Dallas, you got Malik Hooker and, and, and Shaq Leonard. So there's some indie connections to those NFC teams if you guys are looking for somebody to root for on the other side of things. Man, part so, of yeah. me wanted him to join one of these teams that the Colts are going to face the last well, that would have been fun. Because I'm like, <laughs> you know I mean? I'm all for instigating pettiness. Heck yeah. You know, I'm all for it. <laughs> but realistically, Shaq's probably thinking, hey, this is my chance to go join a team that – like the cultures in a playoff hunt and probably has a better chance to get there if it is Dallas or if it is Philly. So um, we'll see how it goes. I know they're all checking out his medical information. He did admit that he's not the same player right now that he was in 2021, but in true Shaq fashion, he was like, if you're betting on that, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't trust you. He's like, Hey, I, I beat the odds my entire life. going to go out there and try to do it again and we'll see what happens. But um, for now, they've parted ways, and you got the Colts, the Shackless Colts, still finding a way to win. And I will, I guess, add one more thing. I keep saying that, but I'm just, you know, excited, I guess, we're to get rolling. back out there on, yeah, the, we're rolling. on the beat. But um, <laughs> the offense looked good. The offense looked pretty good last week. I know they had the one interception from, you know, Gardner Minshew. That looked like a miscommunication with him and, between him and Josh Downs. However, the offense kind of had some life, some oomph, Last week with JT back there, we'll see how much that changes in his absence. But um, I do think if there is going to be a game, you got to win. It's got to be this one against Tennessee, who is not having a good season. And um, it's a perfect chance to kind of impose your will and be the bully for once. They bullied you the last few seasons. You, hey, kick them while they're down. That's that's my mentality. I know as a competitor, it sounds petty, but ain't no sympathy in football. I'm like They're not going to cry for you because you lost your quarterback or your star linebacker or your running back. So don't cry for them. Go out there and try to beat them. Yep, I think so too. I think, by the way, on the offense, I wanted to add, it looked like I think Steichen dialed down Minshew a little bit. I'm looking at the yards per, our air yards per attempt, the six air yards per attempt was very low. I think he's trying to limit the amount of mistakes. They're peppering guys like Pittman and Josh Downs with short yardage targets, 13 targets each. They're feeding the ball to Moss and Taylor. I think they're doing the smart things to try to make sure Minshew doesn't throw away the game in some ways, but letting him still still throw, throw the ball 40 times. So I, I expect that to be the offense going forward. If they can ride the run game, they will. And we'll see what happens going forward. But yeah, lots to talk about. We'll probably have some other crazy breaking news next week. You'll have to call out somebody else in an article and they'll cut another major name and it'll just be <laughs> nuts. So you guys got to come back next week. Listen to us. We'll break it all down for you in the Upper Quartile Podcast. But until then, thank you for joining us.